are Locked On Louisville, your daily podcast on the Louisville Cardinals. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on, everyone? Welcome in to this Monday edition of the Locked On Louisville podcast. I'm your host, Dalton Pence. The mood is different this week. The Cards pulling out the win against Central Florida in an instant classic 42-35 last Friday evening. We're going to talk about it. Not going to be a good, bad, and ugly segment this week with it being such a good win but we will do our regular initial takeaways and reaction. And then we'll focus on how this win changes the expectation for the Louisville program this season. And as always, we will finish out the episode with a Mailbag Monday. But before we get into the content, like I said, for those who are not aware of who I am, my name is Dalton Pence. I'm a credentialed media member for Cardinal Sports Zone, where I serve as a football beat writer and a recruiting analyst and also do some PA announcing work for the university in sports such as soccer, lacrosse, field hockey, baseball, etc. You can follow my personal Twitter at dpence underscore, and you can follow the podcast Twitter page at lo underscore Louisville. Also, for all of your ACC content, there's no better place to get that than the Locked On ACC podcast hosted by Candace Cooper. Be sure to follow that on the Odyssey app or wherever you like to get your podcasts. So diving right on in, the Cards winning on Friday evening, 42-35 on Jalen Alderman's pick six with 13 seconds to play. And I guess my initial takeaway is, wow. I mean, it was an electric atmosphere. Only about 39,000 people there, but uh, it is the loudest that I've seen Cardinal Stadium since Lamar Jackson was there. Uh, Probably 2016 against Florida State. I mean, it was very, very loud, despite there not being that many people there. Um, We're going to break up the initial takeaways and reactions into probably two parts since there's a lot to get to. We'll start out offensively and simply put, you know, I talked about Malik Cunningham needing to be better, and boy, did he ball out. Um, You know, hats off to him, 23 for 38, 265 yards, a touchdown and an interception, but 13 carries, 99 yards, two touchdowns on the ground. I thought he was spectacular, not only making plays happen with his legs, but also thought he was more comfortable with his reads. He wasn't as hesitant. There was a couple passes that were over and underthrown, respectively. But for the most part, I thought he did really well identifying what the defense was giving him. They didn't necessarily test the Golden Knight defense with the long ball, but they did, however, have more yards per reception than UCF. But we'll talk about that here in a second. Um, I thought that the running game was able to get going a little sooner. Like I mentioned, Cunningham led the team with 99 yards. Jalen Mitchell, however, 16 carries, 74 yards, and a touchdown. Those were pretty much the two primary ball carriers. The offensive line, I thought, was very, very solid. Uh, For the most part, there was a couple plays where um, the Golden Knights only rushed three and still got after Malik. But for the most part, I thought the offensive line turned in a pretty solid performance. In terms of getting after the quarterback, Central Florida only had one sack, and that was kind of a questionable when it seems like Malik kind of walked right on into his own offensive lineman, which the defender just kind of pushed away and got to Malik. So it's kind of a, you know, a a dual side bit of context just because, yes, it was a sack, but at the end of the day, it didn't seem like the offensive line truly did, you know, that much wrong. Um, I thought, like I mentioned, that was actually the first sack of Central Florida season. So uh, that just kind of goes to show you that the Golden Knights really don't get pressure on the opposing quarterback. Um, Offensively speaking, the Cards outgained Central Florida. Um, Overall, it was 501 yards for the Cards, 416 for the Golden Knights. 
um, led in passing yards, um, trailed just slightly in rushing yards, um, four penalties to seven penalties respectively in favor of the Cards, one turnover apiece, um, and five minutes more of possession. I think that's big. You know, it, it crossed off the key of not only are you getting offensive drives sustained, but you're keeping that offense off the field. I thought Malik Cunningham did extremely well of finding his guys. Um, and, and another notable thing is 10 receivers logged at least one catch for the cards. And we know that, you know, Louisville is a very spread out and balanced attack, but being able to utilize so many players not only speaks to the depth of the wide receiving core, but it also speaks to, you know, how solid these guys are being able to come in and fill their role. So, and it's funny because it seemed like, you know, the first two drives really didn't get past the 50-yard line. So it seemed like it was going to be, you know, the same storyline with the, the Cardinal offense not being able to get going to the second half. They really turned that around, um, you know, probably about right at the midway point of the first quarter. You know, after the first two drives, they were able to get some rhythm going. That was very, very key in this game because it ended up turning into a mini shootout. Per se. So I think the offense just was night and day on Friday evening and compared to the first two games, the offensive line was better, Malik Cunningham was simply better, the running game got going earlier, and the wide receiving core was showing out. Uh, Marshawn Ford led the team eight catches, 100 yards, one touchdown compared to his one target and one catch for 60 yards. Last week against Eastern Kentucky, I thought the offense did extremely well. But as good as the offense was, I think the defense impressed me more because this is a team that came in averaging just about like 660 yards a game, like I mentioned, just over 450, so a 200-yard average difference. Uh, Dylan Gabriel was 22 for 29, only 184 yards, did have three touchdowns with the interception, averaged 6.3 yards per pass, uh, 49.2 quarterback rating. Uh, and, and this kind of continued the trend of – you know, make someone else other than the star running back beat you. Like in week one against Mississippi, Jerion Ely didn't really have that good of a game, had like 40 yards rushing. This game, Isaiah Bowser kind of fell victim to that trend. Six carries, 37 yards. Um, Johnny Richardson was the bright spot for that Golden Knight rushing attack. Nine for 101, and also he had a big kick return um, in the second half as well. Um, not much going for Central Florida. For the most part, there were times when, when they did go down the field, it was in sort of a prevent coverage from the defense that Louisville was showing and um, didn't necessarily work at all. The second play of the game after Louisville failed to convert fourth down in their own territory, uh, Dylan Gabriel found Ryan O'Keefe for a 41-yard strike. And then another touchdown was a trick play in which it was a lateral back to the wide receiver who then threw it back to Dylan Gabriel. And um, But I think for the most part, the Louisville defense really exceeded expectations. I mean, this was a very solid effort. Not only did they keep the offense in the game early on, but um, they at times they looked like they really had Gus Malzahn flustered on that other sideline. And another key stat, this is probably one of the ones that doesn't get talked about a lot, that Louisville fans probably you know might have acknowledged but didn't really truly grasp the significance. They held the Golden Knights to 2 for 10, 20% on third down conversions. That's huge. That was something last year that they truly struggled with. Uh, and you watch a game like Miami last year against Boston College, you know, et cetera. They really struggled giving up the third down, albeit third and long. So I thought that the Louisville defense did really, really well. They bent but didn't break. Obviously, Jalen Alderman 
was huge with that interception that turned the game around. Um, But when you look at uh, the defense as a whole, Monty Montgomery, nine tackles, uh, Yaya Diaby, Quinterio Cole, six apiece, C.J. Avery and Jack Fago had six, and then you had uh, four other players tied with four tackles um, respectively individually. So I thought that, you know, overall – The Cards did have two sacks. One was a big one by C.J. Avery kind of later in the game. So they were able to get after the quarterback just a little bit more than they did against Mississippi and Eastern Kentucky, but there's still some room to be gained there. Um, You know, the team is acknowledging it was a great win, but there's still more work to be done. I thought um, outside of those containment defensive series where they let UCF march down the field, I thought for the most part the Louisville defense really did well. Overall, a very solid win, a much-needed win, and the biggest win in Satterfield's arrows so far. Uh, we are going to get into what does this do for the expectations moving forward for this Louisville program. But first, I want to answer some questions that you may have in the daily fantasy sports world. If you are a college football fanatic, you need to get acquainted with prize picks. It is daily fantasy made easy. I love it, and I know you will too. It's a leader in college sports daily fantasy. It offers more college football props than anyone in the world and even offers all of the star players of the Power 5 and mid-majors as well. Basically, it offers any prop that you can think of from yardage to touchdowns, even interceptions thrown. Anyone that deposits and uses the promo code will receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100. You can pick basically two to five players and an over-under on their projections, and you can win up to 10 times on any entry, and it's literally just you versus the projected numbers. So, And I think the neatest thing about it is the multi-sport entries that you can utilize. So you can take the overall LeBron combined with the under on Patrick Mahomes in the same entry. Use the award-winning app on both the App Store and Google Play. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It's that easy. Prize picks is safe and offers fast withdrawals as well. So don't hesitate. Check out prizepicks.com or go to your app store and download the app today. Prize Picks is daily fantasy made easy. All right, so in the second segment, like I mentioned, there's going to be no good, bad, and ugly portion of the show with it being such a good win. I want to focus mainly on how this win changes the expectations for Louisville this season. I know prior to this, you know, there were a lot of people thinking, oh, is this is this going to be a season kind of like 2018 where we only win, you know, two, three, four games? Or um, are we going to be able to, um, you know, pick up a couple ACC wins? But I think with winning this game, the expectations kind of change a little bit, not only to the fact that you, you go into a weaker ACC conference slate, but on top of that, Some of these improvements that we've been talking about and yearning for have been made seemingly or it was shown that it was possible at the very least. So it's obvious that we need to have a new conversation about the expectations. And if you remember listening back, if you've listened back to some of the episodes preseason and, um, you know, talking about what to expect from the non-conference slate, I went on record saying that Louisville football needs to focus on splitting the non-conference schedule of Eastern Kentucky, Mississippi, Central Florida, and Kentucky. Right now, they're 2-1, and one, so they've automatically accomplished that. So in my opinion, they're on par with my expectations. It was just kind of questionable due to how they got there. It's not necessarily the result. It's the how they got to that result, especially against Mississippi and the lackluster win against Eastern Kentucky. But... 
I have to caution Louisville fans, and I know that this isn't necessarily a popular thing that you're going to want to hear. It's time to take a breath and assess things for what they're worth. Yes, it is a good win. It's, like I mentioned, probably the most important game in Satterfield's tenure so far. Comes out in a very big morale-boosting win. You would obviously rather be this way than the other way around. I'm not saying it's not a big win. Don't take it that way because I'm promised that's not how it's being presented. So like the Mississippi game, you never want to get too high. You never want to get too low. I know that you know at this point after this win, we like to think that Louisville has turned the corner, but it is only one game, and it's not like Louisville beat Clemson, and I'm not disrespecting Central Florida, but it was just Central Florida. Good win, but it's not like this was a team that was... Um, ranked top 15 or anything like that. So you have to take the momentum, but you also have to build on it. You can't get complacent. And I think that the danger zone for most Louisville fans right now is they look too much into this win. They try to forecast a ton of success down the road just because they won this game. And let's make this extremely clear. Just because you won this game doesn't mean a damn thing about that Florida State game that's coming up. You still have to come out and execute and handle business. What Friday night represents is it showed that you know the talent is there. You know, the opportunity to go bowling and to win a ton of games is there if you just utilize the right game plans, if you play smarter, if everyone picks up the slack and improves on the areas that they need to improve on. Like I said, it is a good foundation block. But that's all it is at this point. Because looking forward, it doesn't matter what you did in the previous week. It only matters what you do in the current tense. So, you know, Ted Lasso, if you've ever seen that show, it's a matter, you know, he says, you know, Jason Sudeikis always says, you know, you have to be like a goldfish. You have to have a short attention span. So, uh, you know, you can interpret that as, number one, you can't get too low in your losses. But also on the other end of the spectrum, you can't gloat too much over victories unless you win a national title, and this program isn't winning a national title anytime soon. So I'm not trying to be a Debbie Downer. I'm just trying to be a realist because I don't want to, you know, for there to be too many false expectations, you know, just created off of one win alone. And you can argue, you know, say, hey, Dalton, um, you know, a good win like that, boosting team morale, guys playing better, that bodes well for the game against Florida State because guys, you know, feel better, they're playing better, so the confidence is higher. And I couldn't agree with you more. I'm not arguing that point. I'm not saying that this game doesn't have, you know, a ton of benefits springing from it. You know, not only do you, um, you know, change a little bit of the fan morale, but also, you know, in the locker room, guys coming off a, b- a big win. Maybe it drives them to, you know, practice harder. Maybe it drives them to play harder in the next game. I agree with all these points. All I'm trying to say is we have to be cautious. We, you know, it's not mutually exclusive. You can believe that this was a great win, but also be still be in show me mode because Thursday afternoon, heading into Friday morning, the fan base was ready to revolt against this guy. And I find it hard to believe that one win at home against Central Florida changes, you know, a, a mindset of okay, now I don't want to fire him because he beat this team. I think a lot of the fan base is kind of in this same mindset of, okay, they showed that it was possible. Let's see them do it again. Let's see them put that suboptimal first two-game slate out of the way, and let's turn the page. Let's get back to that 2019 form that we keep talking about because last Friday reminded me a ton of that. Malik Cunningham looked miles better. And I'm not saying that, you know, he was a bad player ever, anything like that, but now we've seen, you know, this – 
is possible. It's not the fact that Louisville's bad because, you know, as a team, they're not. But the thing about it is there's so many factors that go into winning these games that you have to be on top of the ball. Um, I will say that there is still some room for the offense to continue to, you know, get better quicker in, in terms of the span of the game and making adjustments and starting out quicker. But overall, I'm happy with this win. And like like many people, I think that a lot of these games that, you know, Thursday I was saying, ah, oh, man, I really don't see Louisville having any chance in this game based upon what they've put on the field the first two weeks. To now, I'm like, okay, if they can replicate the effort that they just put out just a couple days ago into some of these games like Florida State, who's 0-3, but it's going to be a big game in Tallahassee, you better believe that they're going to be ready to play. At Wake Forest, which is is always a tough game, and they've shown to be pretty decent. They just smacked Florida State by 21. Then you have Virginia and Boston College, that if you play the game to your strengths and you don't turn the ball over, etc., you know, these games are, are definitely within reach. NC State as well. Um, and then you have Duke and Syracuse that should be Cardinal wins regardless. I know that you still have to go out to win the games, but you know I would have predicted wins against those teams, whether it's Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, or Monday um, in the past couple of days. So um, I don't think anything changes that. It's more of an affirmation. I think I still think Clemson and Kentucky are going to be you know tough games that will likely end up in losses. So not much changes in terms of my expectations other than um, you know, we've seen that Louisville has the stuff to be able to go out and win. I think that that's what made the first two weeks so frustrating is because the majority of the fan base knew that Louisville was very capable about putting out that effort. So um, great win, but at the same time of you know being able to celebrate and stuff like that, we have to be real, we have to be patient, and we still have to be in show-me mode. And if uh, we can, you know, go the next couple weeks where it's the same effort, then we kind of change, you know, the trajectory of the season. So, uh, but great building block for the season moving forward. Um, another great block that we need to talk about is blocking the perspiration. Um, sweat block is doctor created and doctor recommended. It works for up to seven days per use. And there's a dry shirt guarantee, so Sweatblock doesn't keep you dry. You can get your money back. It's featured and tested on the Rachel Ray Show by Firefighters. And it's a bestseller on Amazon for the past 10 years. Over 13,000 reviews and currently number one in Amazon antiperspirant categories. It's manufactured right here in the United States. So listen, you're able to wear what you want to wear. It's your little secret to confidence. And it's a must-have for everyone's toiletry bag, whether it's a big presentation or a hot date. Anyone can benefit, and I know it's going to sound too good to be true, but since I've started on it, I've literally only had to use sweat block once or twice a week, and it keeps me dry the whole time, so I don't pit out. I don't pick my shirts based on which one will hide the sweat better. So if you or anyone you love is dealing with this, you have to check out sweat block. Get it today for 20% at sweatblock.com with the promo code locked on, or at Amazon or CVS. Staying in the health department, but shifting over to the nutritional aspect of things, Built Bar is something that you need to take advantage of. It is the best tasting protein bar out there. If you've talked to a fan, um, if you've heard about my rants on here, I'm a big fan of salted caramel, but there are eight other delicious flavors along with the occasional limited time flavor. So there's coconut, coconut almond. A lot of people are big fans of the mint brownie peanut butter brownie, etc., double chocolate, you name it. And if you haven't tried all the flavors or you don't know where to start, you can get a mix box where you'll get two of each of the nine flavors. But not only are the flavors the best tasting, but Built Bars are healthy as well. 
Most of the flavors have about 17 to 18 grams of protein, only 130 to 180 calories, 4 to 5 grams of sugar, 4 to 5 grams of net carbs, 9 amazing flavors, all tasty, all healthy. You can order today and get that raspberry or mint brownie or whatever you like. Be sure to go to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code LOCKED15. Once again, that's 15% off your first order by using the promo code LOCKED15 at BuiltBar.com. So the final segment on this Monday edition of the show, we're going to dive right on in to the Monday mailbag. There are three questions that I thought were the best out of the pack that I want to focus on. The first one is, which player on offense outside of Malik Cunningham really set the tone for the cards if you can pick one? Uh, Well, I mean, this is a hard question just because I felt like the whole offense really got into the groove. They all stood up. They all picked up the slack. They all made adjustments. But I think if I had to pick one, he had to have had the quietest 100 yards and eight catches in the game. Marshawn Ford had eight for 100 in the touchdown. Most will remember that uh, one-yard touchdown catch that he had right before the end of the first half. Um, And then that catch that he had, I'm not even sure how he made or even how Malik Cunningham fitted through there early in the first half, but being able to get him involved, you know, Scott Satterfield said in the pro game pressers that, yeah, we always try to get Marshawn for the ball. Like it's never not in the game plan. He had been feeling under the weather with some sinuses and allergies, and it showed kind of through the first two games, four for 50 in the first game, one for six in the second game, busted out and um, had a good 2021, you know, breakout game against the Central Florida Golden Knights, eight for 100 and a touchdown. So, Marshawn Ford gets my pick, but also Jalen Mitchell would probably be right there for me as well. So the next question is, outside of the pick six interception from Jalen Alderman, what play or plays really shifted this game and helped Louisville in the long run? Um, This is one that really made me think. I think that there's two plays in general. Obviously, number one, the trick play in which Malik Cunningham threw it back to Braden Smith, who threw a beautiful pass to Travion Cooley on the opposite sideline where he basically scampered in untouched. You know, momentum shifting play just because, you know, going back and forth in the shootout, it got the crowd going, and that's the loudest that I'd heard that crowd in quite some time. It's been years before Scott Satterfield's tenure, maybe uh, Notre Dame in that opening game, but I'm not even sure if it got that loud in that game compared to this one. So I think that that play was big. The other play that really caught my attention, I'd seen some people give this some love on social media, was Quinterio Cole's pass breakup in the third quarter, saved a touchdown on third down. Um, In the grand scheme of things, I guess not necessarily holding that much weight because it wasn't like a flashy play or anything like that, but... um, when Central Florida was driving, it basically just stalled a drive, and you know every drive was critical in that game. So I'm not going to say that it was one that directly you know led to a win, but um, you know there's a handful of plays that contributed to that. So I was very very impressed by how he lunged and got out there, uh, just laid out full body layout and uh, deflected the pass. That didn't necessarily get enough love, in my opinion, but one of the key plays in the game that should be heralded as one of those that helped shift the momentum. So uh, the final question that was asked reads, should we be worried that Florida State is coming into this game against Louisville at 0-3 on the season? And there's basically two schools of thought. You have, okay, Florida State is going to be in go mode. The urgency has never been higher than it is now. It's desperation, backs against the wall. They have to go out and get a win. I mean, at the end of the day, it's going to be a tough game regardless. 
Um, you know, playing in Tallahassee, I feel like they always play Louisville tough there. Um, I can't tell you the last time that Louisville actually went into Tallahassee and won. Um, maybe I'm just overthinking it, but at the end of the day, this is going to be a tough game. And then it's kind of, um, you know, building into that, you know, it's going to be an electric atmosphere because Florida State fans are always passionate. And then the other school of thought, which is probably, you know, it's kind of a yin or yang situation. There's no one or the other. And that's that, you know, Florida State has uh, thrown in the towel and, um, you know, that they've kind of given up on the season. And that could possibly be the case. But I think another thing that we have to ponder is, is Florida State even that good to, if the urgency was there, are they still going to be able to put up a game against Louisville? I think that, you know, you have to look at the effort against Notre Dame. And some people will say Notre Dame's overrated. I always agree. But uh, it showed that when they put it together, they can hang with big teams. But... They lost to Jacksonville State. They got beat by 21 to Wake Forest. Personally, I don't think that this is a good football team. I do think, however, that they are going to give the cards a test. I don't think it matters what they come into the to this game as. Maybe there's a little bit more urgency now that they're 0-3 trying to get that first win because it's a slippery slope. Uh, they still do have to play Clemson and uh, I would assume Florida as well. So there are a lot of concerns in Tallahassee at the moment. I just don't think it matters that they're coming into the game 0-3 or 1-2 because they would still be trying to resurrect the season. Like, they're not done. I get you have the opportunity to get back to 500. So you could make the case that there's going to be just a little more urgency, and that might, you know, mean all of the difference in the world. But it's go- it was going to be a hard game regardless. If Louisville fans are coming into this with the mindset of, oh, it's going to be like last year where we blow them out. I would caution you to think that way because although it might end up like that, because I do think that Louisville's more talented, at the end of the day, it's it's always hard to win a road game in conference. We've seen that, you know, playing at Virginia is hard to win. At Wake Forest is a tough game to win. Florida State's in the same boat. So there's, um you know, there's some interesting things that we'll talk about in terms of Florida State coming up you know Thursday or Friday in the show we do have a couple big time guests coming on the show Jeremy Wallman will be back on uh, University of Louisville women's basketball PA announcer Doug Wilhelm will be on the show on Thursday we are going to um, talk a little bit about Florida State later on in the week Uh, tomorrow we will focus more so kind of continuing to recap Central Florida, um, you know, talking about some other things as, as well. We'll talk Louisville Live. We'll talk about some other things that are going on in the university. Um, but I wanted to spend this Monday episode talking about the initial takeaways from the Central Florida game, uh, what it does for the expectations moving forward, and as always, conducting the weekly mailbag on Monday or the first episode of the week. Before we get out of here, be sure to check out the Cardinal Sports Zone podcast The newest episode just dropped, one that I was not able to be a part of, but great stuff over there. Be sure to check that out at cardinalsportszone.com. Also, the Locked on Bets podcast, hosted by your boy Q and handicapping expert Lee Sterling. You can get daily picks, blowout specials, wrong team favor picks, and Lee Sterling's lock of the day. Follow that podcast brought to you by betonline.ag, wherever you get your podcasts. Social media-wise, you can follow my Twitter at tpence underscore. The podcast Twitter page is at LO underscore Louisville. So 
Like I mentioned, great win on Friday evening, but there is a ton of season left to go. We're going to continue to talk about it. Thank you for joining us on this ride throughout the football season. Um, if there is any content requests that you'd like to hear or that you'd like to hear me discuss, or even if you want to join the show, be sure to hit me up on Twitter or the podcast Twitter as well. But that's going to wrap up this Monday edition of the show. Everyone kick off a great start to their week. And we'll see you back here tomorrow.